friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Monday, January the 31st, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace and God's goodness and God's life within you and around you, embracing you today. We have made it to the end of January, amazingly enough. And, uh, and gosh, I just think, hey, let's get through February, and then we are in the downward slide towards spring, and I dig that. So uh, today we celebrate another feast day, the Feast of St. John Bosco. We'll talk a little bit about him at the end, but we have a long gospel, very lengthy today. So we are going to uh, get right to it. It is Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. My, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Wonderful story. Again, one you've heard dozens of times. But invite us to hear it with new ears. And so to help us do that, I'm going to read it out of the uh, message translation today, okay? So, without further ado, let's break open God's Word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. They arrived on the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. As Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from the cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and graves. No one could restrain him. He couldn't be chained, couldn't be tied down. He had been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains, snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day, he roamed through the graves and hills, screaming out and slashing himself with sharp stones. When he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed in worship before him, then bellowed out in protest. What business do you have, Jesus, son of the high God, messing with me? I swear to God, don't give me a hard time. Jesus had just commanded the tormenting evil spirit, Out! Get out of the man! Jesus asked him, Tell me your name. He replied, My name is Mob. I'm a rioting mob. Then he desperately begged Jesus, not to banish them from the country. A large herd of pigs was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we can live in them. Jesus gave the order, but it was even worse for the pigs than for the man. Crazed, they stampeded over a cliff into the sea and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in town and country. Everyone wanted to see what had happened. They came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there, wearing decent clothes and making sense, no longer a walking madhouse of a man. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. At first they were in awe. And then they were upset, upset over the drowned pigs. They demanded that Jesus leave and not come back. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the demon-delivered man begged to go along, but he wouldn't let him. Jesus said, go home to your own people 
Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the ten towns area about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm, in a sense, going to put this gospel, at least the ending of it, on hold. That whole last paragraph where the madman now uh, turned lucid and sane um, begs to go with Jesus. Because in a few chapters' time, we're going to revisit that. Okay? So let's put that part aside. But here's what I want to talk about. Uh, two things. Uh, and, and part of it is from the gospel that we missed on Saturday. Now, if you recall, on Friday's gospel, we were, we were getting close to the end of Mark's gospel, or excuse me, chapter 4 of Mark's gospel. And uh, Jesus was giving parables, talked about the seed. You know, the sower went out to, to sow the seed, and then he went to bed, and, and it grew. And then he came back and looked at it, and it grew. And he, and he went back and did something else and came back, and it had grown. That God does things on his own good time. And, uh, and that that seed of God is like a mustard seed that eventually will grow into the, the largest of plants. But that time, that God will do the growing, we have to do the watering, we have to help fertilize, but the growth is God's, and we need to be women and men of patience and allow God the time, right? So after that gospel, to finish out chapter 4 of, of Mark's gospel, Jesus and his friends get in a boat. And, and I love it because Jesus says to his friends, let's cross over to the other side. And then he goes. And it's a story of a storm at sea and, and Jesus sleeping on the back and they're terrified and they wake him up. We're all going to die. And he, he ceases the, the wind and the storm, you know, peace be still. And they're like in awe. Who is this guy? That even the wind and the, the waves obey him, right? But I want to focus on that line. Let's cross over to the other side. Because that was at the end of Mark chapter 4, but it's also the beginning of this story today. We might have missed it because it's like, boom, first line. They arrived on the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. Why is that important? Who are the Gerasenes? We don't know them. I don't know them unless they're my neighbors. And, you know, John and, and Melissa Garrison. I, I, I don't know who they are. Well, here's what we know about them. We know they live in the area of the Ten Towns called the Decapolis. So that is a Roman name, Decapolis. And, uh, and therefore, it's Gentile territory. We know that by the name of the cities. We know that by the fact that these people are tending swine, right? And, uh, and pork, of course, was an unclean animal. Pigs were. And, uh, and the Jewish people, of course, didn't, didn't partake in that. So we know that Jesus is in Gentile territory. But I guess here's what I invite us to ponder. Brothers and sisters, Jesus wasn't afraid to go over to the other side. 
He wasn't afraid to enter into a place where, um, with which he was unfamiliar with them and they were unfamiliar with him. He wasn't afraid to go into a place where uh, everybody would say to him, what are you doing there? Why are you talking to them? Uh, and he knew it would create controversy and conflict. And some people would, would be all a Twitter, not on Twitter. They didn't have it at the time, not to my knowledge anyway. You know, perhaps there was some technological advances here and there and maybe in the Decapolis. But they were all, they would be all a Twitter. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't going to let the gossip. He wasn't going to let what some people said was right and wrong or whatever rules were in place or, or the unknown or, or the, the, you know, whatever it was, fear. He wasn't going to let it stop him from going to the other side. Here's my point. Brothers and sisters, who's on the other side for us? Who are those people with whom we... We kind of do our best to say, hey, you stay over on your side of the sea, I'll stay on mine. And we're all good. It might be family. You stay on the other side of that text line, email chain, phone, I'll stay on my side. We're good. Is it um, past friendships that have curdled and turned sour? You stay You stay over there. You stay in, in the past back there on, on your side of the argument. I'm going to stay on mine. Is it people who don't look like us? People who don't act like us? People who don't think like us? People who simply don't like us? People who simply I don't know. And therefore, I don't really know that I want to get to know because it takes too much energy. Jesus wasn't afraid to go to quote-unquote the other side. My friends, gosh, I, I think our faith invites us to. Now, we can't always do it because, uh, you know, there's a home home base, too, from which we, we must, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I'd use the idea that, you know, there's a time to go out on mission. <clears throat> there's a time to come back. And there's a time to go out and a time to come back. We need to do both and. Action and contemplation. Isn't that it? That's what... Uh, Richard Rohr named his, his community Center for Action and Contemplation, and I think he's on to it. There's a time for action, for going out to the other side, not just among our own. Shoot, even the, the Gentiles, he says, do that. Even the pagans do that. Are we called to venture out into whatever unknown it is? Not just so we, brothers and sisters, carry the truth and we become saviors but so we can allow ourselves to be open to whatever the other side is and allow ourselves to be changed. That's really the scary part, isn't it? Is venturing out there to realize maybe we don't have it all. And then coming back and processing, what does that mean for me? What does it mean about who I am? What does it mean about, uh, about what that invites me to in, in, in terms of my attitude, in terms of my outlook, in terms of how I understand God? how I understand uh, the church and how I understand my role within that. 
Because, brothers and sisters, if our faith doesn't invite us to grapple with who God is, if all we have to do is read a book written 2,000 years ago and it's going to tell us what to do, we don't have to engage at all. But that book doesn't tell us anything about the, the issues of today. And don't let other people tell you what to do. How do we wrestle like Jacob did? How do we wrestle with God? Because you're darn well better. And I too. How do we wrestle? That's that moment where we come back home. We got to wrestle and understand what does this mean that I go to the other side? And when we integrate, then we go out somewhere new and we go to the other side and we come back again because we're going to encounter madmen. We're going to encounter anger. We're going to encounter demons. It's going to be an adventure. But brothers and sisters, we're not alone. We're with friends. And beyond that, our God is with us. And, and our God invites us to be more full, to be stretched, right? Stretched into the fullness of Christ. Which means we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Second point, um, and it's this. I love this idea where uh, the madman uh, comes, they're describing him, couldn't be changed, couldn't be tied down. He had been tied down many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains, snapped the ropes. No one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day he roamed. And then when he did encounter him, Jesus looks at him and says, tell me your name, right? Real quickly, here's my point with this. My friends, our God is stronger than whatever's going on in, in your life and mine. It may not feel that way. It may not feel, it, it may feel like, gosh, uh, I cannot control this. Hey, I just had a funeral on Friday afternoon for a good man who was an alcoholic, but sober the last 30 years. With the grace of God, he was tamed. This madman couldn't be tamed by anyone, anyone. Nothing could hold him. But you know who did? Our God. Because our God is even stronger than that demon of alcohol. And he's stronger than whatever demons we carry. Because we do. We do. And what he invites us to do, brothers and sisters, and we need to be fearless in this. And we need to be honest is he invites us to look within and name that demon. This one's name was Mob Legion. There were many of them, a riotous mob. But he invites us to name it. No different than this good man that we, we lifted to the kingdom on Friday. Because what alcoholics do when they go to AA every uh, meeting? Hi, my name is... And I'm an alcoholic. They name the demon. And in naming him, in naming this demon, it takes power away. And it gives it over to the one who can tame it, because I can't. My friends, if we are unaware of the demons with which we carry, if we are unaware of the demons with which we wrestle, um, I think... We are unable to invite healing into that space. Jesus looks at us and says, tell me your name. 
Now, he knows who we are. He knows our name. He knows your name. You are the beloved one. But he's asking for more. He's looking within and saying, okay, I can tame it. Do you want me to? Tell me its name. Tell me its name. That's not a one-time deal. My friend, every day for 30 years, had to wake up and, and as, as they say, one day at a time, and had to choose to say, I will not today. And he couldn't do it alone, right? Just like Jesus had his friends in the boat, we have our sponsors, we have our mentors, we have people to walk with us that remind us we can't. There's more. There's not life down that road. There's life over here. Jesus is the one that brings life, not alcohol, not whatever other addictions we carry, not what other demons, but he's the one that can tame. St. John Bosco, let me just simply say this. Um, John Bosco was uh, lived back in the early 19th century, so about 1815 to, uh, oh gosh, I want to say late 18th century, or 19th century, so uh, 1888 or so, give or take. Um, simply, what I'll say about John Bosco is he believed in, in the full education of particularly the boys that he worked with, but he also worked with girls, that he didn't only educate them uh, in their studies, although he did that. Uh, he didn't only educate them in the catechism uh, and prepare them for the sacraments, but he did that too. But he also found uh, work and, and created mentors for these young boys and young girls in professions, particularly in, in creating and building and making footwear or tailoring uh, or what he's known most for, which is creating a publishing house. He didn't just look at somebody and say, okay, uh, somebody comes to our door, like James says, and say they're hungry and he says, oh, I'll pray for you. Keep warm and well-fed. Blessings. Good luck to you. You know, he's like, okay, how can I, how can I set them up with the tools to be who they need to be in life, to be the young men and young women that they're called for. Gave his life uh, for that. I mean, not in a martyred sort of way, but, but gave his entire life to assist these young boys and young girls. That was his ministry. And uh, based much of it on St. Francis de Sales and created a Salesian order, the Salesians uh, that John Bosco did. Um, again, what a, just a good man. Uh, Italy uh, is where he, he grew up, lived, and died but just saw his niche, his niche, his corner of the world, and it was particularly orphaned, but young boys and girls that didn't have a chance in the world. And he's like, I can help give them that chance. And he did. And we honor that today. So my friends, let's pray. We're going to work through the sorrowful mysteries this week, okay? And so let's bring whatever's going on in our hearts. Let's name it. And let's bring it before our God in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. John Bosco, pray for us. My friends, welcome to the end of January. Welcome to a new week. Let's make it a good one, shall we? And God's peace to all of you.